the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, show 34, Thursday, 10th of November 2011, coming to you uh, as always from SW8. Love, loss, and lattes, lots of lattes. I've given up a lot over the last year or so, given up booze, given up porn. I'm scared of going to this uh, free health check. You know, the letter that I got sent a few weeks ago telling me as a, as I'm now approaching 40, I'm entitled to a free health check that will tell me whether I've got a diabetes, uh, uh, blood pressure, heart disease, all of those things. I'd hate to go there and they tell me that I have to give up the lattes. You know, after everything I've given up, I think that would uh, that would destroy me. Anyway, yeah, show 34, never going bald. That is, uh, that fact is based on me going out at some point in the next 20 years like my parents. No telling what might happen if I live beyond 60. Um, my uncle, though, uh, my, my dad's eldest brother, he, he was about 84 when he passed away three years ago. He still had a full head of hair, so it wouldn't be beyond me. Uh, I lean towards my dad's side on uh, many things. Uh, bad with money, uh, formerly a bit of a carouser, um, and a, a good head of hair. And a fine nose, obviously, as regular listeners will know, which has been enhanced by surgery in recent years. Uh, hope you're all keeping well and warm. Been a funny day for me. Thursdays are often quite difficult. They tend to revolve around the show. So much work goes into uh, putting this together. Uh, and uh, I kind of lost my morning uh, today waiting for this uh, contractor to turn up to uh, work on the uh, timer on my bedroom heater. He turned up late, naturally, of course. I was given a time... Uh, between 9 and 12. Uh, I had to call him at 12.30 to you know, find out where he was. He walked into uh, into my bedroom with his shoes on, which I was braced for. The good thing about my bedroom is uh, it is a fairly big room, but I've got a fairly big bed. Uh, I'm one of those people who, uh, you know, I'm single. I don't really know why I'm sleeping in a double bed. I don't enjoy it. Half the bed just stays cold every night. The bed takes up so much of the room but this was to my advantage today because there's you can't really walk about in that room so he only had a small area around which he could walk so I was just able to hoover the hell out of that small bit of carpet when he left work still not done he didn't actually turn up with the uh, the right stuff uh, as you tend to find with these guys so uh, he'll be back next week more hoovering next week uh, before I push on with this show though this week's show and I'm hoping that it's easier than last week's to put together um, I've explained all the uh, laptop issues uh, going on, and uh, again, grateful to the work as always that Martin's done this week to ensure this uh, this show uh, goes out again this week. Um, you can follow Martin on Twitter at Silly Casper. Uh, shows wouldn't be happening without him right now. Hoping uh, this week's one's easier to uh, put together. Um, just a reminder, and I'll do that at the start of the show rather than uh, at the end of the show as I normally do. I need you to rate and review the show on iTunes if you already haven't. And uh, it's not for ego reasons. It's simply down to uh, you know attempting to secure the future of this show. Let me explain to you the complicated way iTunes works. Um, iTunes does not work on downloads. It works on detecting changes within your download uh, figures, uh, reviews and ratings constitute changes. Uh, this show might uh, have, say, 4,000 more listeners than another show, but if that show has had two or three reviews, 
that show will go into the charts and this show won't. That's that's how iTunes works. There are shows which may have had more downloads. But, uh, for example, one podcast has had, uh, say, 4,000 new downloads that week to bring it up to 10,000 listeners for the week. And there's a show that has had 100,000 downloads, but that particular week has only had an increase of 3,000 new listeners. Then the first show goes higher in the charts. It's a very odd system. Now, the weird thing for me is that this show now has a far larger number of listeners than it did back in the summer. And back in the summer, you know, the listening figures were high. I was in the charts, the iTunes charts, new and noteworthy charts for over 100 days. Um, but obviously used up all the ratings and reviews in the process. Uh, people were kind enough to rate and review the show. The show stayed in there, and I suspect it was down to the ratings and reviews rather than the actual uh, listening figures, even though the listening figures were higher. The point being, the listening figures are much higher now, but I can't get into the charts. Now, I need to get into those charts because I need sponsorship. Sponsors, advertisers, first thing they're going to ask is, you know, if it's a podcast, is it in the charts? Without that, I can't go anywhere. And this show, I mean, the download figures now uh, are so high, it's actually costing me money, a lot more money to produce this. This is all coming out of my pocket now. That's fine for now. I'll tolerate that for now. This year has been about regrouping. I've done a lot of work for free this year, uh, but next year for me is, uh, you know, this year was about repositioning. Next year is about getting back career-wise to where I was in 2009. I'm a better writer. I'm a better performer now than when I was out there. Uh, being successful but I don't have the money that's the difference and I've been happy to get my work out there for nothing this year but next year this show needs to be paying for itself otherwise it makes no sense to keep doing it it just it just doesn't make sense that would not be a, a mature decision and you know I'm, I'm trying to get away from uh, making the bad decisions of my old life it would not make sense to keep doing this show as I'm doing now where you know it's costing me a lot of money now to get the, you know get these shows out there um, I'm not writing anymore for the love of it, you know. I'm not doing this anymore for, for, for the love of it. I enjoy doing the show, but it is work. And I, I, I want to make money from everything I work on. I want a life. I want to work in the area that I'm good at and make money from it. I don't want to have to go back into an office. The reality is I will have to in the short term. But, you know, long term, I've always been aware next year is going to be very different to this year. You know, I want to kick on with my life can't be throwing money into this as i've had to over the last seven or eight shows to to you know to keep getting the shows out because uh you know got to keep buying more and more bandwidth because it's great it's a, it's a it's a nice problem to have that you know the show is growing now there's listeners all over the world but it's uh it's a problem nevertheless i'm sure you understand so if you haven't already please rate and review the show on itunes if you have itunes um give me something to work towards you know something i can take to uh, potential sponsors and advertisers you know, at the moment there's a situation, there are new shows out there that are just two or three weeks old. They're already in the charts because they know how it works. They're getting those ratings and reviews. I admire those guys. That's great work, you know. That's great work. There's no point doing this just for a small audience. You know, you got to set your bar high. Um, I hope I'm not coming across as a mercenary, but, you know, my point is this all needs to, 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 to be geared towards something. It, it can't be just a, a vanity thing. I'm not doing that. Uh you know, for those reasons. Uh, on a brighter note, my passport came this week. I remember a few shows I posted my uh, uh, passport application and my old passport uh, first class. No track and trace here, no uh, sending check through the post office. You know, I'll admit I was a bit worried. But, uh, you know, I, I just thought, you know, the Royal Mail, you know, you should be able to trust them. 
You should be able to trust the uh, Royal Mail. What's wrong with a first-class stamp? When, when, when did a first-class stamp stop being uh, untrustworthy? So I've got it, and my, uh, my faith, uh, admittedly shaky faith in the Royal Mail, was uh, justified. Now I've got the issue with the next of kin. You know, you've got to put uh, two contacts in the back of your passport. My answer that I could put her down as uh, one of the contacts, you know, she's 70-something. Well, I lost track, actually. She celebrated her 70th twice. Uh, I think she lied to a friend one year, so she had to celebrate her 70th again the following year. I think she told a friend she was only 69 the previous year. Then she had the thing where my oldest aunt, her sister, uh, you know, tell my aunt here that she's actually a couple of years younger. So I don't know what the hell is going on there with my aunt's age, but this is a 10-year passport. Uh, you know, my aunt's around the 70 mark. I want, con- you know, I want to, I want some contacts on my passport who are gonna, you know, likely be around for the full 10 years you know I'm, I'm just thinking thinking with my head here um it's not nice to have to think that way but you know i want people who are going to be around in the next 10 years that don't want something happening to me at some point during the next 10 years and uh you know someone finds my passport they're trying to contact uh the the contacts in the passport and, and they're not around anymore what good is that similarly i'm looking at uh close friends on kebab heavy diets and i'm thinking can't go with them got to discount them they're out the loop and I'm thinking maybe Mickey, Mickey Boy. That'd be interesting, obviously, because uh, I'd need an address from him. Would he give me his real address? Is he going to give me a bogus address? You know, so uh, keeping my options open at the moment. Hope to uh, make a decision in the next couple of weeks. You know, guessing I'll give one of those, uh, use Martin as a, as a contact. Martin's also, uh, he's on a health kick at the moment. And uh, uh, haven't seen him uh, on these kicks, health kicks in the past. I think he can sustain this. So uh, he'd be looking good to make his 50s. Martin's looking good to, to, to make the next 10 years. So I think there's just one one space open now. Get in touch with the show, as always, via Twitter at 1607WestEgg. Uh, email me, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. You can always uh, join the uh, Facebook podcast group, the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. If you're not already on there, just request to... Uh, join and uh, I'll add you in uh, as soon as I see that message you know something this is my 100th podcast my 100th podcast 49 please don't hug me's 34 of these uh, uh, shows 17 latte bellies 100 shows in 15 months uh, that's an achievement you know I've given myself a bit of a bit of a kick in over the last year but this uh, you know this is an achievement I'm proud of this so much has changed in my life in that time and it's around a year ago now that the uh, six weeks of uncontrollable change were kicking in which were very different to the work i had to do on myself this year i mean those six weeks i had no control over when on you know what was going on in those six weeks i was just completely bewildered i still kept on turning out the shows which i probably i maybe shouldn't have and uh, you know anyone listening to them shows or certainly anyone uh, you know close to me at that time may have uh, you know, gotten worried by some of the content or, you know, maybe seen that I wasn't a person to be with at that particular time or to be around and, uh, you know, I can't take those shows back. I feel stronger though. I feel focused. I'm not, not sleeping. That's more by choice, really. I've always been a, a, a bad sleeper. That's, uh, that is down, I was told many years ago, that is down to never getting enough oxygen, uh, to the brain, um, because I, you know, I don't breathe through my nose properly, so uh, hence I wake up a lot. I don't snore, funnily enough, uh, though I am prone to dribbling on the pillow, uh, seeing as I, I, I've got a habit of sleeping on my front. But uh, anyway, I know there's some way to go. I know I need to sleep better. I need to make more of an effort 
sleeping. I can't sleep without having a radio on. It's like sleeping is so difficult for me. I never spend any time in that bedroom. I've only watched TV in there once. Soon as I'm up, sorry, soon as I'm awake, I'm up out of that bed and, you know, ready to embrace the mornings. I love, I love the mornings. I'm a, I'm a nighttime person in that I can't sleep, but mornings is my time because a new day arrives and you don't know how good that day is going to be. That might end up being the best day in your life or the worst day in your life, but you don't know. That's, I like that. I like that not knowing thing. I like, you know, seizing the day by the scruff of the next stepping out there and, and getting a good morning's writing under my belt if, if you know a, a good morning's writing really does set me up for the rest of the day so um you know it's a year on i know there's uh there's there's some way to go i'm improving all the time there's i am isolated the the sabbatical has done that i'm focused uh, when you consider that isolation and how difficult that can be at times I feel I'm improving all the time I feel the quality of work is uh, is improving um, you know progressing on the book the last couple of days not so good I don't think uh, you know I think I got a big day on the on the book tomorrow and you know cheese for example I couldn't find a reasonably priced cheese in uh, Sainsbury's this evening a year ago you know what I would have done I would have probably gone to about four or five more shops hunting down a cheese I would not have come home with the cheese even though I have no plans to eat cheese this evening you know I can go and get some cheese in the morning I'll be having maybe some cheese for lunch tomorrow I don't need the cheese today why worry about it today a year ago I would have worried about it today I don't know what's going on with cheese prices though I've got to say they're astronomical but uh, yeah huge step cheese the cheese can wait till tomorrow and I'm looking forward to this year being over and I can next year look back and realize that 2010 was the year before last. They can just start disappearing into the distance. And I've still got the alcohol thing going on, you know, of a mate today telling me I should just have a drink. I think it's become big now for the wrong reasons. I do want to get a year under my belt because I know that will probably never happen again. But... uh I don't know whether it's because I'm just drinking coffee all the time that I'm thinking I could do with something else. I don't know whether I'm just concerned about what effect one drink might have on me in terms of, you know, whether it will have an impact on how much more positive I'm feeling these days. I don't know. I'm, I, I am just, uh, ever since the counsellor suggested to me last week that I trying to control everything, that, that does worry me. There may be something in that. So among the uh, numerous IT-related issues that I've been having over the last few weeks, I've uh, started having problems with the uh, router uh, last week. So uh, I contacted my uh, broadband provider. Uh, they agreed to send me a new router. Got a, the, For the following day, got a text, well, numerous texts, you know what these people are like, and uh, told me that a uh, courier would be coming any time between midday and uh, nine in the evening. Now I wasn't going to stay in all day. Uh, I thought the whole nine o'clock arrival time, up to nine o'clock arrival, was uh, was a bit strange. Uh, I had to go to the uh, doctors. Had a had a had a sort of some pain in my arm, which I've uh, some friends recommended that I take some uh, cod liver oil. Um, today's actually been my first good day with the arm in a while. Um, 
Doctor uh, suggested it might be golf elbow, dismissed it. Tennis elbow, dismissed it. It's Tommy, it's a student's elbow. I know what Mickey Boyd would probably uh, suggest, but uh, I, I suspect it is uh, some sort of RSI thing. Um, anyway, after that, I, uh, I went to Martin's. He put on some uh, modern dance on a, on a DVD, uh, yet appeared to be uh, sidetracked, as he later tweeted about my uh, hairy arms. Um, so, you know, I, 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 made sure, I just thought, you know what, if they don't, uh, if, if they come whilst I'm out, I will go to the uh, uh, local post office depot the following day and just pick it up. It wasn't a problem for me. I uh, got back, I think from Martin's, about 8 in the evening. There was a note under my door from a neighbour, scrawled on the back of a brown envelope, I have your package. Uh, you know, that kind of... That pissed me off a bit. You know, you sign for my package. What do you want? Do you want the credit? I might be holding to you because you signed for a parcel. Two days before that, I'd signed for a big package. And I just left it in the hallway. We live in a gated development on the site of a former ironworks. It's pretty secure. I'm not leaving a note and holding onto the box. I, you know, I don't want someone knocking on my door and you know, expressing how grateful they are that I signed something for them and kept the box safe. It's there. It's in the communal hallway. We all live here. I'm sure we can all uh, try and trust each other. You know, I don't want to meet them. I don't want to meet the neighbours. I already got the thing with last week's neighbour going on. When, you know, technically, I guess it's hard to dispute that I encouraged her child to go into the bin in an attempt to rescue my shoe and my aunt's casserole dish. I uh, accept that. I took a lot of stick in a number of emails for that. It happened. I can't change it. I don't want to meet any more neighbours. That's my point. This note, I was looking at it, said, I'm from number two, I have your package, I'm in the evenings, left their name. Already too much information, I got their name, I know that they're indoors in the evenings. You know, I could wait another day, I didn't need to go and knock on their door and, you know, make small talk. I can't do small talk. So, uh, I wrote a letter, wrote a letter in the evening, a quick note, uh, A4 piece of paper, didn't use up much, uh, cut the letter. Uh, cut the paper into into half, and then I thought, that doesn't look good, that looks like I'm tight, so I rewrote the letter on a whole sheet of A4 uh, blank paper, didn't uh, rip it up this time. And then I was, uh, you know, kind of thinking, well, how am I, How do I place this? You know, what time do I leave? Do I leave really early, because this person's obviously working, because they say they're only in in the, in the evenings, so maybe they're going to leave their house before 8, which is the time I leave to go and write in the cafe. What do I do? Do I wait till 9, and then just leave the note outside their door? They should have gone to work by then. So it's kind of it's the kind of thing that uh, bothers me. Uh, I left uh, early. I tried to slip the letter under their door, but I mean this whole building subsided. So whereas I got a gap under my door, and I'm a level above them, I've got a gap under my door, and you can slip stuff under my door. I couldn't slip anything under their door, so I had to had to leave it outside their door. Their note. I just folded it in half, positioned it outside their door. When I came back about. Uh, 11.30 from the cafe, I thought, is that, that's not really central, they could miss that when they come back, so I put it at the centre of the door, then I was actually thinking, you know what, maybe I should try and get some coloured paper, because the door, the door's white, the A4 paper's white, are they going to see this? Um, then in the evening, uh, I made sure I was out, because obviously I'm above them, I don't want them hearing me and thinking, oh, they're, they're in, I can I can knock on the door. No, I just wanted the parcel left outside my door. I didn't want them coming up here uh, and reconsider whether to just leave it outside or knock on my door. You know, some people do really want to get to know the neighbours. Some people want to feel part of a community. So I couldn't risk that. Um, so anyway, I got back, my package uh, was left outside the door. 
you know, I just... I can't do the neighbours thing. When when I get into my flat, I want to know no one's knocking on the door. If I'm going to see anyone, it's because I've arranged with uh, friends to, to come over. I don't want any anyone knocking on my door to, to, to you know keep me at my door. What do you do? Do you, do you keep them standing at the door you in, in the hallway, or do you invite them in? Uh, yeah, and this guy, I'm right above him. He'd be able to hear me coming in and out. He meets me, maybe he thinks if he can hear any noises, he's now familiar enough with me to come up and tell me to, to knock it down. If you remember uh, a few weeks ago on... Uh, and I please don't hug me. Mickey, uh, Mickey came over and thought I had too, you know, I was I was lifting too many weights that I was going to damage my back. So I've been lifting less weights. You know, maybe I'm not as toned as I was a month ago. Maybe this guy might see. You know what? I there's if he's making some noise, I can take this guy. You know, I didn't want that. I don't want them to know who I am, what I look like, what kind of build I have. I want to remain a mystery. It's one of the reasons why I don't want a garden. You know, yeah, yeah. Again, that encourages familiarity with your neighbours. You've got fence issues, you know. So it's does it fall to you to repair the fence? You've got to go and speak to them, or you got to you want to knock down a wall, all that kind of non nonsense. You got to, you know. I see friends who who, who are in speaking terms with their neighbours, or even get on with their neighbours, and uh, you know they've had extensions built and so on. They've had to go and uh, let their neighbours know what they're doing. I can't imagine anything worse. I don't want to meet the neighbours. You know, I left a phone provider a couple of years ago because uh, I was taking delivery. Uh, well, this is actually longer because I've had the same phone now for, for nearly three, well, for over three years, actually. This phone's been with me through uh, both breakdowns. Uh, there's a bit, bit of loyalty for you. Uh, some years ago, I left a phone provider because uh, I'd instructed them not to leave my new phone with neighbours when it was delivered. Um, they did. I went ballistic. Um, I couldn't deal with that moment of knocking on the door. I made such a stink about it with the uh, phone provider that... Uh, uh, I didn't sign the contract. I hadn't signed the contract at that stage, and uh, yeah, I never went with them. I didn't want that moment of knocking on the door and dealing with the neighbours. You're listening to the uh, Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, half man, half P45. Time for this week's surprising insults. The uh, lovely William Stafford, copyright Mickey Boyd. Uh, William emails in. Uh, hello Daniel, I hope the week has been kind to you. My surprising insult this week is another weird one. Earlier today, Wednesday, I had occasion to go to Tesco's. Uh, William goes on to say that they've had a new uh, Tesco's, a uh, huge Tesco's built on the site of uh, the old one. Uh, not, a, not a great place to visit. It's like a huge warehouse stacked with provisions for the coming apocalypse. Uh, a man, uh, William says, I made my modest purchases, mainly peanut butter and mushy peas, and didn't have to wait very long for a bus. The lower deck was almost empty, unusual for that time of day, I should have realised. A man greeted me as I sat down. He hailed me as a long-lost friend, and I couldn't place him at all. I needn't have bothered racking my mind for a memory, because it turned out I didn't know him. But he kept insisting I used to work with him at a factory in Rubery. I said it wasn't me, so he changed tack. Did I know the car plant at Longbridge? Did he know me from there? where he had lost his arm. I said I didn't think so. He wouldn't leave me alone, talking at me over his shoulder. I just wanted to carry on listening to a podcast, not one of yours, Daniel, but Richard Bacon's. It dawned on me why the lower deck was so empty. Everyone else had gone upstairs to avoid this <laughs> this one-armed unfortunate. Even elderly ladies with their shopping trolleys and brittle bones had braved the narrow staircase of a moving vehicle to get away from him. Track-suited single mothers with double pushchairs and more hoops in their ears than the Olympic flag had withdrawn to that higher plane rather than risk interacting with him. 
I now I like to be polite and I hate to be embarrassed, but all I could think of was how could he, even if he wasn't in his right frame of mind, uh, mistake me for one of his contemporaries? How quickly I must have deteriorated within the, within the space of a week. Only seven days ago I was sneered at as a teacher, and now today I was given the impression that I was a factory worker and one who was laid off at that. A down-on-his-luck former factory worker. As Chrissy Hine said, don't get me wrong. I have no delusions of superiority over factory workers, but my pride took a knock when this fellow, who was evidently not the sharpest knife in the toaster, claimed me as one of his own. I felt insulted, even though none was intended. And I felt uncomfortable for feeling insulted. For penance, I remained in that seat and listened to his ramblings and rants, giving him the time of day he so clearly craved, but probably never got. I wasn't half glad when he alighted at the bus station. That reminds me of um, years ago, uh, late 90s, I was uh, I was with Match and Martin. I don't think Martin will remember this. It was the old Route Masters. We were on a bus around Victoria. I think we were going to the West End to see a film. It may have been Starship Troopers. I'm not sure. But there was a kid, and I think he had braids, and he was with a girl, and it looked like it was an early date. They were very sort of clingy and that. And this nutter, <laughs> this nutter sat behind them, started talking to them. And I'll never forget, he asked the kid with the braids, he said, uh, do you keep your hair from a certain part of the body let's say in that in, in a similar style i could not believe it the guy was right behind them you know just 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 leaning in uh, very awkward moment i i i would love to have known what happened to that couple whether they were able to recover from uh, such a setback uh richard uh richard p 1975 uh uh, I was called a whopper. I've also seen a few people use this expression as an insult on Twitter lately. Not aimed at me, I might add. Pete Domican um, uh, had a surprising insult from EV80, the potty mouth EV80, uh, on uh, Twitter last night. Stop pretending you're all comfy slippers and hot cocoa. I've forgiven her, adds Pete. Uh, Billy Two Rivers Nine, uh, another historical surprising insult about 1990. Eight, uh, Jason says, at a guess, was wearing a pink shirt one day, spotted a courier looking a little lost, offered to help. He looked me up and down and exclaimed, pink shirt, effing hell. Uh, and at that, he just walked off. Reason for failed delivery, recipient was wearing a pink shirt. Realised that this is highly unlikely to get included in view of the new language policies in force at Ruiz Tyson Towers. <laughs> above all this, above all of this, uh, adds uh, Jason, please enjoy Donny V. This is some, I've never heard of Donny V, this is uh, some uh, down-on-his-luck singer, I think, that uh, Billy Two Rivers Nine has been tweeting about for the last week. He's even changed his uh, Twitter avatar. Uh, if you uh, tweet Billy Two Rivers Nine, I'm sure he'll fill you in on the story of Donny V. I think uh, when I saw some of the stuff that had happened to this guy's career, I, I, I maybe felt a bit of kinship. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to read this, it's not going to do me any good. Uh, Colin, Crimson Avenger, uh, surprise and insult this week, uh, a weak link, hashtag twapper. Uh, Colin is part of the uh, uh, Mickey's uh, twaps campaign, so I'm guessing uh, he's been insulted at some point this week for maybe his lack of contributions to the campaign, I don't know. Uh, Buxton, the blue uh, ex-boyfriend once said, hope you end up a one-legged slag. That was quite a surprise and insult. Uh, don't take this the wrong way. I see nothing wrong with that. I think once things are breaking down, once a relationship's breaking down, and it's you know obvious to all that you can't save it, uh, the club's got to come off, and it's good. It's a good feeling. You need to hurl abuse at the one that's hurt you. 
you know, you thought they were the one and they hurt you. They hurt you bad. I think when people hurt you, they should have their foreheads marked with a big C, you know, to show when they're back on the dating scene what they're capable of. It wears off after a year, but for that first year, everyone knows what you've, you know, what you're capable of. You know, if you've hurt someone and you're back on that dating scene within that first year, when really you shouldn't be allowed to date until the person that you've hurt is, allowed, you know, able to date again, then uh, I think everyone should know what you're capable of. I think my C would have come off around 2009, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, an insult or, you know, a, a sharp comment when a relationship's going wrong. I remember uh, when I was in uh, Bahrain in 2003, that's coming up to, what, nine years now, early 2003, I was meant to be getting married out there. You know, my head was all over the place. I was still on the happy pills. You know, I... I uh, I wanted her so much, but uh, I knew that it was wrong that I should have been stung with a $2,000 engagement ring. Um, I took out a loan which I, for that ring, which I don't finish paying off until March this year. Once I got one loan, I uh, over the years, I topped it up a couple of times, and I'm not sure what I was, what I was uh, paying off after that. But uh, I remember we uh, turned up to see this ring, and you know, I don't like jewellery. I, I never wear jewellery. I have absolutely I have no chains. I have no, you know, I'm not married, so I don't have a wedding ring. I just, I don't like it. I understand that women like it. I've got no problem with women wearing jewellery unless, you know, uh, unless it's just too much, too over the top. I just find it vulgar. So there I am with this stance, and yet I've agreed to, uh, you know, buy this girl a $2,000 engagement ring, you know, because I want her that bad. Uh, but by then, by the time we turned up towards the end of my time in Bahrain to, for her to show me this ring, and, uh, you know, it was just apparent that it was not going to work. And uh, the girl said to the jeweler, she'd be back to, I think she was getting it resized, she would be back at some point to collect it. And I just commented to the jeweler, yeah, she'll be back, but it's unlikely to be with me. And uh, she looked at me very surprised. Uh, but I loved that moment. That was That was the only good moment I had. In my time in Bahrain, I found it. I uh, found that place very, very difficult. It's a harsh, harsh environment, um, you know. And I just wasn't having a good time. Uh, wasn't having a good time. And uh, yeah, I relished that comment. I relished that, that that comment. I enjoyed that moment. Uh, yeah, the whole dating thing, anyway. Uh, just going back to well, I'm not really sure. There's no segue here. Just, just, just the whole thing about dating. Again, to start from scratch, I think you reach a certain point, you're of a certain age, and you know how difficult dating is. You know how difficult it is to find a relationship that works. You know, the reason you're single again is because yet another relationship hasn't worked. And for me, you know, the thing that bothers me most is the whole toilet thing. Uh, you know, there's other things there, meeting the parents, the friends. Meeting the friends, I think, is probably worse than the parents. Uh, but the whole getting comfortable in the, uh, you know... In the lavatory department, I, I, I that's a nightmare. I've, I've, I've also rarely been able to properly sleep with a woman. I mean, I, I can barely sleep on my own as it is. Um, nothing worse than when you're sleeping with someone and they're, they're complaining that you're keeping them awake. You know, if I'm in bed with a girl, it's usually you know for one specific reason. But the, you know, I'm I'm very, I'm just not ready to sleep with them. The actual act of sleeping it's i just find it so hard to, 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 to sleep and i think it's all these things this culmination of things and knowing what a relationship represents and how difficult it can be to get comfortable with each other 
that I've spent the year in exile. You know, there's probably so many women out there thinking, when is the Iberian prince making his long-awaited return to the bedroom again? And i got to tell you, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm Monica Sellers after she got stabbed in Hamburg in 93. One of the, you know, she was at the top of her game. People were, com- opponents were complaining about her grunting. But she was, regardless of all the other women tennis players that followed, I mean, she was a machine. She was just wiping the floor with all her opponents. Steffi Graf could not compete with her for a couple of years. One of the things that helped Sellers was a Navratilova, actually. I think Navratilova had retired at that point. And uh, she came in. She felt Sellers was very good for the women's game. And she started making overtures to get Sellers involved again. They became, I think, very close for a period. And she got Sellers back into the game. And maybe I need someone to help me get back into the bedroom someone who's been where i've been and done it before and it's not just the emotional damage though i think the 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 toilet thing that's a that's a big step i think before i got together with any woman i'd have to see a layout of a flat i'd have to see what the toilet's proximity to the living and bedroom areas are before agreeing to date before agreeing to go back there you know my my place is a no-go i've I, i i as i uh Mentioned on Please Don't Hug Me, my place is a no-go. This this water tank is too too noisy. You, you, you hear everything. You know, this, this water tank goes off for about an hour after you flush. I don't even know why the, you know, the toilet here is even in the bathroom. It's so noisy. You might as well just stick it at the centre of the flat in the living room. People just walk around it. Make it a feature of the flat. You know, the landlord's not going to care about that stuff. He, he bought this. It was an iron works. He bought it. He converted it into flats. It's not really suited to being flats. He's probably in his big house somewhere in uh, wherever he is. I think he, he lives abroad. He owns a hotel. He's in, you know, he, he, he's in his large home. Takes a lift at least straight to some underground bunker where he does his stuff and heads back upstairs to have another go on his missus. He's clued up. He knows how it works. You can't have, you can't have the bathroom close to, close to the bedroom, close to the front room. You can't build a relationship like that. But obviously he doesn't care about the tenants. You know, another thing as well, obviously, it's got to be someone that you, that you like, that you want to be with. You've got the, uh, you know, nothing worse than being with someone you've unloaded and straight away you've got that reflex action that, you know, I personally always struggle with where you've, you, you, you've done the business and straight away, it's not, it's not regret, but it's like you, you want to go, you want to leave now. You fired your bullets, it's shrinking, in stark contrast to that shrinkage, your urge to leave where you are rapidly grows um, but you know, maturity tells you you've been there before. You can ride it out. You can't leave there and then. That's just going to be rude. You hope within half an hour you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the horn again. If you manage to go a second time, she'll accept you need to go straight away. If anything, she's going to be impressed. You know, you're in your late thirties. You've gone. You know, you, you you put in two performances of uh, varying quality. She's thinking, not bad. That's not bad. Not bad. This guy's still got some life in him. So those uh, those those things are, are bothering me a little. It's uh, yeah, it can somewhat you know sometimes take me up to a couple of years to get comfortable in a relationship in that department. You gotta, I mean the you know the romance does die a bit. You know when you get comfortable, you're taking the relationship to another level. You know the romance is kind of it, it's it's moved to another level. If there's a kid involved, that's different. You know kids, you gotta clean them, you gotta change their nappies. It's it's kind of that helps, you know, that helps. If there's no kid, it's too hard. That 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 switch is 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 hard. It's significant. It's a steep switch. And uh, you know, it could cause a bit of damage to the relationship. Certainly certainly could. The mystery's gone basically.
the mystery is gone. I had a had a, a problem with the uh, the facial hair at the weekend. Um, as I said last week, I'm not into November. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slag it off because it's raising uh, it's raising money. So uh, you know it's for a good cause. I just I just wish that more guys would grow facial hair. You know, uh, not do it for just gimmicky reasons. Um, you know, I'd love to see a moustache revival in this country. I've been championing that now for for 10, 11 years. So I've had this uh, latest thing going on since late October. Yeah, my moustache fascination started with the uh, six million dollar man. I think I've told this story before. I was uh, four years old. Uh, started school, six million dollar man, the final series. I think he Lee Majors grew a moustache. Suddenly, my doll didn't look like Lee Majors. Started stealing plasticine um, to, to you know uh, create a tash on my doll. So I've always, you know, my fascination with facial hair is the way a man can change his face simply by growing facial hair. And I had a, I had a good tash going on the weekend, you know, with a, with a kind of goatee thing. And then I, I uh, saw this picture, photograph in a magazine, guy with, uh, you know, one of the best goatees I'd seen in a while. And I normally take a while before, before being spontaneous when it comes to shaving. I want to know what I'm going to do with my face before, before I, you know, take that razor to my face. This time I was uh, pushed for time. I just did it within five minutes. Messed it up. Uh, messed it up. And this is before I met my aunt on a Saturday, more of which later. So I'm not looking at my best. I'm conscious of that. But I like that. It represents a challenge. I like seeing heads turn. I like seeing uh, women thinking, what the hell's happened to the Spaniard? Yeah, I, like, I like being able to lip read and hearing her mate say, so that's not the Spaniard. And the, uh, you know, and, and the friend says, yes, it is. Look at the nose. That's the Spaniard. I like it. It's, it's it's a challenge. I'm conscious that this is not my best look, but I'm going to persist with the tash. But I'm hoping to take it into December. I'm not. I, I'm not. This is no. This is not a November thing. This is not. This is not a gimmick. This is real. I was in the uh, cafe a couple of days ago, and uh, we've got the. Uh, uh, an arts correspondent for a Sunday broadsheet who's who's in there. He's been going in there for years. Incredibly posh. Nothing wrong with the, you know, well spoken. This is public school Brighthead overload. He's as camp as a row of tents. He reminds me of Brian Sewell. You know, every word he speaks just takes so long. He takes so long to finish that word. And he often meets a young guy in there who, I mean, is even is even posher than him. And uh, it's again. I think a, a sign of how late it took me to suss out so many things in my life. Uh, it's only in recent years that it really hit me about this country, how it works, the class system. I've talked about it before plenty of times, um, and I'm not sure I'm saying anything original here. My angle is that. It, 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 it's a shock to me because I grew up simply just in a working class community surrounded by working class comprehensive school friends and the world is a difficult place when you when you come from that community but I didn't really realize how difficult it would be and you know all my friends would have been in the same position and the thing I, I realize about my 
my friends and myself and people I speak to from a similar background is that none of us could wait to leave school. Leaving school was not a big deal to us. Our schools weren't great places. I met Mickey at school and, you know, that's a long friendship. That's 30 years. We don't forget where we met or how we met, but we never kidded ourselves it was a good school. We never kidded ourselves that it was a great school or that we had a good time. You know, we were at a huge disadvantage at that time. And, and you, you know, the teachers must have known it. The teachers must have known that we were all going to struggle to some extent when we were older. I think only two or three kids from our class made it to university. We were not prepared for university. Um, I think university was something you became aware of that you could get to once you went to college. Um, and I think I've realized as I got older and uh, then you know when on you know you go to you, you get older you you work with or for people for whom whom school was a massive part of their lives they wear their school uh, school scarves they go to school reunions not university reunions university reunions i understand that because you leave university as a young adult you know you make you arguably make the more long-lasting friendships as an adult. You meet people who you haven't really been thrown in with, it. you know, as a, as a young kid. You haven't grown apart. You are meeting people almost as a fully formed adult. You have the similar interest thing going on. Um, but these these are people who get, still go to school reunions. I've never been to one. I wouldn't want to. You're just up against that juggernaut of class and networking. I was at a friend's last night, we were talking about this, he reiterated his opinion that my background and my accent did impact negatively on my TV career, that I was a curiosity to these people, that my talent was obvious, but that the Oxbridge crowd could not relate to me, either my background, the foreign name, the accent. So they'd often choose to continue working with the people they could relate to, and it did feel like that. I almost felt at times that I might have had an easier time just within my industry, No other in, in no other aspect of my life but in my industry if I'd actually been a different skin color because then they could have labeled me I think when you're a white foreigner when you're non-British but you're white when you look like them I think that almost presents them with a greater difficulty they don't know what to make of you you look like them but you're not actually one of them and they struggle with that it's a less obvious difference and one they can't get their head around and uh, if my Oxbridge producer hadn't kicked down as many doors as she did i wouldn't have got as far as i did in television she was uh i could never lose sight of how magnificent she was for me i fell short in the end but i wouldn't have got anywhere without her and uh, that will never be a problem for me to acknowledge that she was uh, she was fantastic for me and maybe she still will be in the future but um you know she knew how difficult i found that industry Never forget, uh, we were at a meeting once with broadcasters. One of my final meetings, and uh, in my uh, last commission script, we had a scene that was set on an estate, and the broadcaster at the meeting actually asked what estates were like. He'd never been on one. We were absolutely stunned. Absolutely stunned. And I think to an extent, I found this uh, This is a similar problem on the stand-up circuit. Uh, you got people like Mickey Flanagan now, Flavor of the Month. I'm not a massive fan of his, but you've got a lot of people who do like him. They make a lot of his Bermondsey background. Do the, uh... So he stands out in the comedy circuit because he is very different in that respect. Um, again, the stand-up circuit, I found it very white, very middle class. Here I am, reduced to podcasts, you know, in my uh, comfort zone. And one thing, it does strike me, I probably, you know, I've, I've said it to... Uh, uh, I've said it to friends before, black friends, that I 
I think I would have made a terrible black man because uh, I've struggled with my background trying to break into this industry. If if I'd had the disadvantage of being a different colour, I don't think I could have coped with that. I, I, I don't think I could have coped with that. If I come back, if there is reincarnation, uh, I've got to come back without any interest in the arts, or if I do have that interest in the arts, I've got to be born into a wealthy family. I can't do this, you know, poor background thing again, because it affects everything. You know, the difficulty I had editing last week's show, you know, the ongoing issues with just simply simply replacing equipment. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to stop there, actually. You know, there's going to be women maybe listening, they're going to be thinking, I'm not interested in this guy. He's a good-looking guy, but he's not going to buy me stuff. He can't, you know, he can't even maintain a boner because his flat's poorly insulated, his wallet's empty. Why the hell am I listening to this show? Why am I hanging around when that guy at work looks like he can last more than five minutes and has got a regular income? You know what, ladies? I don't care. I really don't care. Time for this week's uh, Song Overkill. Which song have you been overplaying this week? Uh, I, I've i still been on that Foles trip. Uh, Alabaster and Trees from the uh, second album, Total Life Forever. I've been absolutely killing those songs. I've been on YouTube watching the uh, the live performances. Uh, you know, for me, these guys are, for me personally, the best British band of recent years. I put them above uh, Block Party, who I really do like. I liked uh, Block Party's first album. I thought that was brilliant, but uh, I just think these guys are so good, so good. And uh, I was saying to Martin this week, you know, I'm watching these guys, watching their videos, and I, I don't think any of them are over 30, if 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 beyond their mid 20s. And I just respect anyone who's you know, beating the rat race, these guys are doing what they want, you know, they, they would have dreamt of being in a band, they're in a band, they're not, you know, getting up at ridiculous times in the morning to go, you know, putting on a shirt and tie and sitting in an office all day, you know, I admire that, I really admire that, and to be producing work as beautiful as the work they're producing, that's just, uh, you know, that's that's absolutely brilliant. The uh, lovely William Stafford copyright, Mickey Boyd. Uh, my song overplay, as William refers to it, uh, this week is I've Been Losing You by Norwegian Wonder Group. Aha, who were Coldplay before Coldplay were Coldplay. Only better, this is catchy pop with impenetrable lyrics at its finest. And lead singer Morton Harkett still does it for me. Swoon. I'll say this. Uh, Aha, yeah, at their best, brilliant band. I never liked Take On Me. I didn't like the video either. Uh, I think the so the reason the song gets played a lot is the video. Well, maybe I did. I, I I thought I don't know. The video annoyed me in the same way that Sledgehammer, the uh, Peter Gabriel song, the video to that, which was supposed to be so cutting edge. And yes, I I I, I respect it was. And I think uh, the Michael Jackson video, Leave Me Alone. I just I was never much of a video person. And Sledgehammer was a brilliant, brilliant song. Take, uh, but I just couldn't handle the video. Take On Me, I thought the song was good, but nothing compared to what came after. I think Aha at their best were brilliant. Morton Harkett was the worst mimer I have ever seen in any band. If you look at so much of the 80s stuff that Aha did, he wouldn't even... I think only Ian Brown of the Stone Roses maybe came anywhere near to you know, surpassing him. He wouldn't even... Uh, aim his miming, direct his miming in the direction of the microphone. It was just, if you're going to mime, at least, you know, try and look like you're singing live. This guy just wouldn't bother. But here's the thing that redeemed them in my eyes. I went on YouTube a few weeks ago, 
and I just typed in a heart and I saw one of their final live performances and I wasn't expecting much and uh, they did one of my favourite songs the name of which uh, <coughs> escapes me <coughs> excuse me and I was stunned. It was a brilliant live performance. And Morton Harkett's vocals were, were, were just so, so good. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, with, 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 you know, I was justified in not expecting that. Because he, you know, I'd only ever seen them miming. But they were so, so good. And they were a good band. A good underrated band. Good underrated band. Uh, uh, Pete Domican Pete says, uh, This week my song Overkill is definitely not Donny V. Uh, despite Billy Two Rivers Nine Best Endeavours what a bloody racket instead Pete has gone for Baker Baker by Tori Amos uh, saying she performed it last week at the Hammersmith Apollo uh, I'd like to hear from Pete I'm assuming that uh, this suggests that Pete was there uh, I'm a I'm a huge Tori Amos fan um, Pete continues always loved her music so seen her for the first time live okay there's my answer has indeed uh, sorry has induced song overkill beautiful performance of this track however she has a funny flappy arm wave that I found very off putting half normal wave half Mexican wave here's the thing Pete I love Tori Amos I think for a period in the in, in the 90s I was in love with Tori Amos uh, I thought she had bad hair you know, used to diet too much, and she had that kind of elf thing going on where the, her ears would stick out. Um, I remember her British TV debut, 1991, on Jonathan Ross's uh, nightly Channel 4 show, uh, much missed to this day. I think the first time that uh, there'd been a, a nightly British chat show. And uh, she was on there in the autumn of 91. And I remember this because I recorded it, and I pissed my dad off that night. I did not stop playing it. Uh, I remembered Kate Bush. I was a little too young to remember the impact of Kate Bush. I, I got into Kate Bush towards the end of her kind of peak years, as it was. Um, and it's only in later years that I recognised without someone like Kate Bush, there could not have been a Tori Amos. But I, I would say that at her best, Kate Bush was the equal of... Uh, sorry, Tori Amos was the equal of Kate Bush. I, to this day, think that Under the Pink, for me, uh, Tori Amos's second album, that was the best album of the 90s for me. I failed my A-level second time around to that album. Soundtrack to a very important year for me, 93, 94. So much happened during that time. Some lovely memories, some not so good, but a, a year that that made me. And yeah, I'm a huge Tori Amos fan. I've got this uh, Tori Amos live album from, I think, 2002. A, uh, a friend in Spain gave it to me around that time. And by then she had guitarists on stage and that. And it's a, it's a brilliant performance. It's a... Uh, uh, you know, brilliant, brilliant performance. These Precious Things, I think, probably one of my favourite Tori Amos songs, top two or three favourite songs. And the song I heard on that Jonathan Ross show was uh, Silent All These Years, which uh song I probably don't listen to enough, but it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, Richard uh, Richard uh, emailed in um, a song overkills uh, after mine and my lads trip to Stamford Bridge on Saturday I think this was the week before last we've been repeatedly playing and singing along to Chelsea FC's 1972 song Blue is the Colour which was released to coincide with that year's League Cup final against Stoke City a match Chelsea lost uh, 2-1 I think Richard was at the uh, Chelsea Arsenal game the 5-3 uh, to Arsenal at Stamford Bridge what an, an unusual uh, score that was uh, Richard finishes by saying we've also been playing the 1969 UK reggae instrumental The Liquidator by the Harry J. Ord Stars which is also played at the bridge prior to kickoff. never heard that song uh, I'll have to uh, probably have to YouTube that one and I certainly uh, may may have heard the tune I don't know but I'm certainly not uh, familiar with Harry J. All Stars uh, by name uh, 
Billy Two Rivers Nine. Uh, no surprises. New thing by enough. Enough. Enough said. Enjoy Donny V. Okay, so Donny V is part of this band. Enough. Enough. Is that how you say it? Uh, regarding my song Overkill, he continues. Please insist <laughs> that the listenership check out new thing on YouTube. Oh God, that sounds like a kind of. Uh, song some 1980s American boy band would have put together. I defy anyone not to love this song. Donnie was at uh, Donnie was in his prime in the new thing video. Uh, I know I know I'm asking a lot Daniel but dropping a plug for his final date at the UK tour tomorrow the crumbling in Wales. Uh, look just tweet uh, Billy Two Rivers 9 for full details. I I, I he's, he's here he is again just to clarify new thing was enough is enough the band fronted by Donny V V as in Evie a reference to Evie 80 the potty mouth the Narnia girl. Silly Casper brings some much needed sense to this week's song Overkill in your arms Keena Granis found this randomly a very nice happy pop song shouldn't be my thing but I keep singing it. Why doesn't why doesn't he sing to me when I go around there? I've never heard him sing. I want to hear him sing. I'm going to insist next time that I go around there that instead of playing me some modern dance DVD, he sings to me. Maybe we can have that on the show. Maybe we can record it. Uh, Radio Bird 1978. Since I left you by the uh, Avalanches, saw the video that goes with this and it stays with me every so often. I think this is a great song. I can't remember the video. But it is, a, I think it's a beautiful song. One I, again, only play from time to time. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of them songs that just stays at that level. And you remember that you always, always uh, had a high regard for it. And uh, this week's uh, final song, Overkill Submission, is from Victoria Sponge 7. Uh, song Overkill is, uh, she's confusing me here. Don't read stuff from the bracket out. Like, just... I'm not very good with this stuff. If there's anything you, that you don't want to risk me reading out, just don't stick it in the email. No brackets, listeners. Don't send me anything in brackets and, and, and don't be telling me not to read anything out because that's just going to confuse me, yeah? Uh, her song this week is uh, I Never Came, Queens of the Stone Age. It's a beautifully haunting melody, sends a rather sinister message. I've only recently discovered Queens of the Stone Age and absolutely love them. Josh Holm is gifted with a health, healthy measure of charm. Josh Holm. Josh Holm? I don't know how to say that. Uh, I'm not a fan of theirs anyway. Queens of the Stone Age. Now it's uh, time for the uh, Keep Your Head Appeal. Uh, regular listeners will know what happened to me last year. I, I, I hinted at it a bit earlier in this week's show. If you're new, show 31 is the place to start. And uh, you'll find uh, much of the info on the uh, fundraising page. uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Uh, at the moment, donations stand at over £300. Uh, these donations are going to be restricted to the Adult Psychotherapy Fund at St. Thomas's, uh, the hospital that did help me. Um, uh, so I can reassure listeners that uh, donations are going to the right place. Uh, humbled, as always, by large and small donations. These are difficult times for, for a lot of people. So, you know, doesn't need to be anything big. Doesn't need to be anything at all if you retweet the links. That, that That's more than enough. But... Uh, uh, you know, if you if you do go there, donate anything large or small, it will be appreciated. For those of you who already made donations, uh, you know, uh, thank you. You know, uh, it, it means a lot. It, it means a lot. Um, it's uh, I think a good way to see the year out for me to remember 
the the people that helped me that 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 helped get this show up and running really i don't think this show this particular type of show would have happened uh without what happened to me and uh, these people have helped me and uh you know i want to give something back seven weeks left the uh, appeal's going to run to christmas eve seven weeks left six shows uh to christmas eve and uh, let's let's see uh, how much we can raise. That'd be great. The uh, address again: uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Time now for a Nectar Points update. Uh, what have I got this week? You know what? I uh, I, I cashed in the 500 uh, Nectar Points a couple of weeks ago. Uh, less than 12 days later, I'm on 83 points already. I think that's pretty good. Uh, today, points earned two, no bag reuse. Disappointed with myself there. Two tins of basic uh, cream of tomato soup. Oh, Christ, dear. You know what? It looks like I've picked up a chicken one by mistake. I don't eat chicken. That's really... Uh... Uh, hang on a sec. I'm going to check this out, yeah? I'm going to be disappointed if it's chicken. It's chicken. Can you believe that? You know why this has happened? Because the packaging is identical. It's identical. This is what I was saying last week. Adster have a picture of tomato soup on their basic uh, tin of tomato soup. What do I do now? Do I take this back tomorrow? It's only 17p, but it's the principle of it. You know, do something with your label, Sainsbury's. This is ridiculous. Uh, also, uh, Diet Blue Bolt. Another, another can of that, which has uh, kept me company during the recording of this show. And... Uh, uh, diet cream crackers. Uh, so 83, 83 points is not bad. Uh, yeah, oh my god. Cream of chicken soup. I don't like, I, I, I love chicken, but I don't like chicken soup. Don't like chicken soup. That's, uh, that's this week's uh, Nectar Points update. You know what, feel free to send me your, uh, Nectar Points as well. Um, I remember speaking to, um, John Welsh on, uh, Twitter, uh, a few months back. And John had told me, that he'd actually bought a, a washing machine in Sainsbury's, and that was only uh, equivalent to 11 or 12 pounds on the Nectar Points scheme. And uh, today I saw my aunt, and uh, she showed me the amount of points she has. She, I mean, she's got thousands of points, but they're only equivalent to, uh, I think, 12 pounds 98. It's a, it's a strange system, the Nectar Point system. It's a strange system, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind hearing what your nectar points or your store card uh, points are, what how you work them. Twitter at 1607westegg uh, or email the show DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. I went to the uh, cemetery on Saturday to see my mum for the first time in three years. I felt ready to do that. I didn't want to go. Uh, to be honest, I didn't think much about going whilst I was uh, you know, messing up and struggling with things, struggling to, to turn around this... Uh, this life and the way it was going. I accompanied my aunt there on Saturday. She goes every weekend without fail, which is incredible. A lot of work for a woman of her age, uh, whatever that age may be now. It, was, uh, it wasn't the uh, best day weather-wise. Uh, not only were we uh, in a race against the, uh, against the light, but also the rain. My aunt had just had a perm set by the hairdresser who goes to her house every weekend. So, uh, you know, she didn't want to get caught out in the rain. She did bring out a little umbrella with some skull and crossbones that she'd uh, bought the last time it had rained. But uh, it was it was uh, it was good to go. 
I needed to go. I think one of the reasons I, I went was as I near the completion on this uh, first draft of the book, which is about this whole year. You know, I don't think I could have... I think the book would have been incomplete without me talking about, uh, you know, that cemetery um, and its, its, its place in my life, its absence in my life uh, over the last three years, because that's really where it all started, this, this, this downfall. Um, if my aunt hadn't been there with me, I think I might have struggled a bit to make that connection between who I am now and 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 my mum because it's so long ago now it's a it's a it's a different life um I had to work a lot to to to, to uh, you know when I was there to remember how I felt I mean I remember how I felt that day I have not vivid memories now but I have memories but it's it, it's trying to recapture that feeling of who I was at that time and it's not easy it's not easy because uh, because it's been such a long time and I saw that how much work is involved you know for, for a woman of my aunt's age physical work to, to get down there it's an hour long journey on the bus to to you, you go there you got to collect a bottle of water you got to clean the stone you got to change the flowers you got to replace the dead flowers you got to tidy up afterwards you got to buy plastic flowers in the winter because the frost will kill fre uh, fresh flowers very quickly it'd been such a long time since i'd gone that i didn't even remember specifically where it was and uh, there were memories of going there with uh, you know a couple of exes going there with match going there with my dad uh, you know that was probably the most difficult memory because those were the last things that my dad and me did together I moved to that area um, when my mum passed away it just so happened that I moved to that area I had no connection to the area and I'm not sure that my mum being buried there had an impact on the decision it was just a place that I found and uh, it kind of worked out okay I was able to go there every weekend my dad would come along and visit the flat and uh, it was a difficult time but uh, we were there for each other and uh, that time that we spent together became precious it was a very difficult time it was you know real kind of grit your teeth I remember a famous Martin Amos line about bereavement is like stepping out into the rain you've just got to you know, pull your collar up and get on with it, you know, get your head down and get on with it because it's not going away. You, you cannot get to the other side without walking through that rain. And, uh, you know, I saw the bench where I sat on my first birthday without my mum, where I, you know, I went to, to see her that day, my birthday. All these people that I used to go with who are no longer around now, they're either dead or gone. You know, they would have been stepping on that grass. They would have been standing right in front of that stone and it, it is weird it is weird to have stood right on that spot with all those memories and not just of my mum but of all the people that were there that were, would go there kind of like the memories of being around here in Stockwell you know I grew up here every time I walk towards my aunt I see walls that you know me my cousin and my sister would have like walked on and climbed on and I see bus stops I waited for buses at to go to school I see the 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 
Perjo car park where once my nursery stood. I see the Iceland where it was, you know, once upon a time that was Sainsbury's where I spent so much of my time as a kid. Um, memories can be hard. Um, they can also be weird because, you know, they're, they're, they're ghosts. They're no longer real. They happened. But you, you've banked those memories now and that's all they are. But it was it was nice. Um, I, I'm not sure I get much out of cemetery visits, but uh, I certainly got plenty out of you know spending more time with my aunt. You know, going along to see the person that gave life to one of the UK's most gifted, certainly most nasal podcasters. Uh, it, you know, it was important. It was important to go. Going to go again. I think you know. I, I see the work. Like I say, that my aunt has to do there now. It's it's too much work for someone of her age. I'm going to have to step up to the plate and. Uh, you know, take more responsibility over that. Um, and I will. And I will. You know, and I can. And it, you know, it won't be difficult. On the way back uh, to Stockwell, uh, we went looking for a casserole dish to replace the one I'd thrown into the bins last week by mistake. We did uh, find one, um, which is now here, because uh, this afternoon my aunt uh, gave me my weekly call to go and collect my meal. Very kind of her. Um, just before I wind down the show, um, the cold, yeah, the cold, um, you know, I don't do well with the cold, um, the, the, you know, the way we grew up living in that cold flat, that never leaves me, and there was a, there was a blog post that I read, uh, Buxton the Blues, uh, blog, uh, pandacrumpet.wordpress.com, if you go there, I think it might be in the November archives, possibly. It's certainly under, if you go to Panda, Panda and Crumpet, two girls, I think, who met on uh, Twitter, if I'm right, and uh, put together a blog. It's a, it's a, it's a great blog, um, one of my favorites. If you go on there, and I think you go on the uh, Panda Pandas page, uh, there's a post there called No Place Like Home. And uh, I read that, and you know, I kind of feel it now. Actually, you get into the bedroom, and your room is so cold that the, the the bed, the pillow, almost feels wet. And there's a post about I think um, the writer leaving the flat that got them back on their feet, and how long they spent there, and talking about how mouldy the bathroom was, how cold the bedroom was. And it's a beautiful post, and it's so evocative of I wouldn't say my childhood, I'd say my adulthood, because uh, you know, I lived like that till I was 27. And uh, yeah, that that post that post made me think a lot. And I'm still paranoid about the cold. I mean, I'm wearing three tracksuit bottoms in the evenings. I'm wearing four tops. I'm wearing two pairs of socks. I don't do well with the cold. And I think to myself, well, I get through this because uh, I can get through this because I grew up in such a cold flat. Yeah, but the point is, I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, we didn't have the hot water. We didn't have a. We had a share of bathroom, which I'm sure is uh, behind the toilet phobias that I have. The cold, though. The cold is a scary thing. The cold, you know, the cold is a killer. How many old people are going to get wiped out this winter? And we got these rising energy prices. It's, uh, yeah, that, that post made me think a lot. I am, you know, it, it's going to be a struggle to keep warm. But there's so many people living in cold houses. There's so many people who can't afford to heat up their flats. I mean, so uh, many of us are in the same position. But it just reminds me of uh, too much of the old house. It reminds me too much of the old house. Uh, coming up uh, next week, Tuesday, 15th of November, the uh, 50th Please Don't Hug Me, where Mickey and I are going to be joined by old Please Don't Hug Me favourites, comedian with the unpronounceable name, Rasheen Ray, and Fat Man on a Couch, 
Stuart Armstrong uh, join us on Tuesday. That show will be available on iTunes and Jellycast. Uh, please remember to rate and review this show on iTunes. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at 1607westegg. Email drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Remember, you can join the uh, Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast group on Facebook. Ask to join. I'll accept your request. Feel free to post comments uh, for the show on there or alternatively. Um, you can follow the show also, uh, listen to the show at 1607westegg.wordpress.com, my uh, my blog. Uh, lastly, I want to wish uh, my cousins, uh, Russ's girlfriend, Claire, uh, a speedy recovery from her recent uh, surgery. I think she uh, listens uh, to the show. I um, hope uh, you're feeling uh, better, uh, Claire. Until then, uh, until next week, uh, I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. I think you know, I'm never going bald. Next week, people. Next week. <laughs>